Finding Purpose, The Song of My Life, Internationally Linked, Episode 79. Welcome back, everyone. My recent stories take place in the fall of 1976 in Munich. I even have to remind myself how different life in the world was at that time. Our communication consisted of writing letters, making tape recordings, and sometimes phone calls. I have the benefit today that my family saved many personal letters and tapes that we sent to each other over the years. I recently found in my go-to book, The Bible, a verse about the importance of learning from generational wisdom. It's in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 37 verse 13 says, Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you, your elders and they will tell you. So that leads me to think, if we don't talk or write about our lives and families in the past, how will the next generation know what their foundation is? I am fortunate that Thomas and I also kept the newsletters from our ministry headquarters in Eureka, California. They titled the newsletter Radiance, which they started at the beginning of 1976. They mailed it to our house in Trudering, addressed to Thomas and Christine Van Doren, Germany team, West Germany. The content included reports of new outreach groups in places like Seattle, Chicago, L.A., New York, Philadelphia, and Guatemala City. In Eureka, a media team was also established that recorded Jim Durkin's sermons for a radio program called Practice the Word. The tapes of his teachings were sent out to everyone on the mailing list. Then came his first book titled Training Your Soul. Most of the recipients of the newsletter were people who started out in California and then branched out to other places. The first copy of the newsletter that Thomas and I received is yellowed now with coffee stains on it. It feels like it went through many hands. I know that it was passed around to everyone in our house. One of the articles quotes a sermon that we actually heard in Eureka before we left for Germany. You need to imagine Jim speaking to a band of 20-year-olds, ex-hippies turned Jesus followers, and it was titled The Uncomfortable Gospel. I remember him saying those words that had a lasting impact on our future. He had a very distinct voice and a preaching style that was common in the 70s. This is the quote. Commit yourself to what the Bible tells you to commit yourself to and think about it intelligently as grown men, not babies. Then as we lay hands on you to send you out, you're not going with some wrong ideas. You will stand tall in the Lord Jesus Christ and say, we know what the word of God says and we've committed ourselves to that. Our lives are in God's hand and whatever he has for us, we are willing to accept. Then no one will be saying, boy, no one told me it was going to be like this. I will tell you what it's going to be like. It's going to be heavy out there when we go to the nations of the world. I'm telling you now it's going to be heavy. <laughs> but God is sending you there to preserve lives. Let's get on with preaching the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Jim also wrote the introduction of the newsletter titled Family Linked Together in Love. He wrote, I look at our ministry and say, here is a unique happening. In a supernatural way, these brothers and sisters were brought together and linked to one another. God has called us and put us here to work together in carrying out his work on the earth. I see us as a family unit within the total family of God. I feel very close to everyone. The separation of distance or time makes no difference at all. The same letter includes a note from Steve, who is referred to as one of the mobile ministers. He wrote it a couple of months after he arrived in Munich. The section is titled, Germany Brethren Are Prospering. Greetings. As far as the work here, everything is moving along. Outreach is very good. People are getting saved and the meetings are packed out with Germans. Everything that I preach has to be translated because there are more German people than English speakers. Thomas and John are in training now for eldership. How wonderful to see God's purpose is being successfully carried out in other cultures. I mean that German people are being trained in God's principles and learning to apply them in their own culture. In that sense, our team in Munich, West Germany, is succeeding. Steve's report is encouraging for me reading it now. He describes our main purpose, but besides the seriousness of those matters, we did a lot of normal things together. During the week, quite a few people had full-time jobs, including Thomas. He was gone most of the day because of the long travel time he had to get to the office. The women who were at home took care of the shopping, the meals, and the children. It was nice when we all came together for dinner, starting with a prayer and singing a song. We kept to a strict schedule, getting the children ready for bed before the meetings that started at 7.30. At the same time, the kitchen and living room were being cleaned up. Usually around 7, the doorbell started ringing with our guests, which we loved welcoming into our home. On the weekends, various outings were planned. Of course, the first big attraction was the Oktoberfest for all of the new Americans. Other Saturdays, the guys would go to the English gardens where they played soccer. Us moms packed our children into the strollers so they could watch their daddies playing ball. Even the ride on the S-Bahn and U-Bahn was fun for the kids. When we exited the train, we had to carefully guide the stroller onto an escalator that led up to the street. Since we lived in the suburbs, it was a whole different world arriving in the busy area of Schwabing. The main road was lined with stores, restaurants, and lots of outdoor cafes, but our group would head for the pass that led into the English garden along the river. Two memorable events that took place after Steve and Terry arrived were family occasions. We got busy planning a goodbye party for Gregor and Linda. Even though we didn't have fancy plates and glasses, we managed to create a pretty table with flowers, candles, and scripture cards. The focal point was a beautiful Guatemalan tablecloth that a friend that I knew from Living Waters had sent us. Besides a special meal, Jackie and I and the musicians started preparing a program for the evening. Thomas and Randy learned some new songs, and Randy offered to play his harp for us. 
Jackie and I had the idea to do a dance for them. Dancing wasn't unusual at the house. A young woman from Ireland that stayed with us had taught me some Irish jig steps. Thomas had a tin whistle and could play an Irish tune at the drop of a hat. She also taught a few of us an Israeli folk dance. We sang the song and danced in a circle. The children, who were between three and five years old, loved dancing together. Jackie and I chose a song that we felt was appropriate for the celebration. I think it was Behold and How Pleasant It Is When the Brethren Dwell Together in Unity. We came up with some simple movements that express the words. It just so happens that I have some great photos that Steve took of us. The pictures bring back the mood of that party. Jackie wore a long velvet dress and I had on a long cotton dress. Of course, we were barefoot, reliving our hippie roots. We even prepared a bowl of water and a towel to wash Gregor and Linda's feet. We loved them and wanted to show them honor. It was quite an unexpected gesture that caused some tears to be shed. Steve wanted a group photo, so we did our best to squeeze in together in front of the living room window. By then, we had already moved the dinner tables back into a section of the dining room. Including Steve and Terry, there were 33 adults. The photo reminds me that we got dressed up for the occasion. Some of the men even had on a tie. That party must have been such a wonderful experience for the young German men and women who lived with us. We ate, sang, danced, and prayed together, sending our friends back to America. The last photos that I have of Gregor's family were taken the next morning out in front of the Trudering house. We hugged and said goodbye, and they loaded their suitcases into the van. Peter drove them to the Munich airport. I can imagine him saying, see you in three or four months when we're all back in California. But unfortunately, that is not how things turned out. The second event was a different kind of bonding affair that Steve and Terry got to participate in. And thanks to his photographs, I have proof of the adventure. One of our visitors that knew that we didn't have a lot of money suggested we go to a farm to gather potatoes. It's called gleaning, collecting leftover crops from the farmer's field after it has been harvested. We especially thought we should do it because it was biblical. We knew the story of how God blessed the woman Ruth, who was a foreigner in Israel, yet she was allowed to glean after the barley and wheat harvest. Thomas followed up on the contact with the farmer to make sure that our team could come. Those of us who chose to stay at home watched as the group drove away on that cold fall day. I am not sure how keen Peter was about this project. After the bad experience we had in Nienberg with piles of rotting potatoes. But he was leaving soon anyway, and the others thought it was a great idea. Steve did a good job with his camera again, taking pictures of the brethren spread out in the field, picking up the leftover potatoes in the dirt, and filling up the wooden crates. It looks like they had fun, but at the end of the day, they drove away pretty tired. Steve took a picture of Thomas, who had fallen asleep leaning on Daniel's shoulder. It reminds me of all the tree planting days in the mountains, where the guys, which included Thomas, had worked hard and drove back to the camp exhausted. 
With Gregor gone now, it was time for Peter, Steve, Thomas, and John to start making plans for the next phase. Peter's family was planning on returning to the States at the end of January, so the countdown began. Part of Steve's goal was to check out some places in Europe where we could start new churches. The two destinations he had in mind were Italy and London. The four men spent hours up in the attic office discussing travel plans. John hung on the wall next to the Munich map, a map of Europe. This way they could plot out the course they wanted to take. Of course, paper maps in those days were a necessity. For Thomas and I, we also had a new family project moving into the rooms next to us where Gregor's family had lived. I loved the main room because it was actually designed to be the living room of the apartment. It had large windows that opened out to the balcony and a view of the garden from the other side. My favorite thing was the antique nightstand in the corner that Linda had brought from the farmhouse in Nienberg. In a blue and white pot, she had planted ivy that she had growing up the wall. From that room, there was a door to another spacious room, perfect for our two little girls. Naomi was like a busy bee carrying all of her belongings over to her new room, while Esther watched Daddy and the guys carry her crib down the hall. At that same time, some people had donated their old furniture that included a small couch that converted into a bed. We decided to put the couch in our room so it looked like a living room instead of a bedroom. After we had moved in, I set up my sewing machine on Thomas's desk and made curtains with material that a friend had sent me. I lined up my plants along the German-style windowsill. In a cabinet with glass doors that Nadia had given us, I displayed some German teacups and vases that had been gifts. I also made curtains for the children's large window by sewing white sheets and red printed material together. I remember one of the single brothers saying he loved hanging out with us because we had the prettiest room. That was such a sweet comment. Before my parents had flown back to California, Dad handed Thomas some German Deutschmarks. He suggested that we go sometime on a family vacation. That was something that had never been on our list, but the travels with my parents had been refreshing. Thomas looked in the newspaper and found rooms to rent at a farm outside of Munich. He booked a cabin with two rooms and a kitchen for a long weekend. I packed some food items from the kitchen and warm clothes for all of us. The girls were excited when we took off in the trusty Enta Citroen car to drive to a Bavarian village. We had a wonderful time meeting the farmer's family. He showed us his cows and the chickens, and his wife said we could come in the morning to get fresh milk and eggs. Thomas was especially happy to discover a nearby bakery where he could buy his favorite white rolls. We had such a quiet and relaxing weekend, just the four of us. That was the beginning for Thomas and I of making family vacations a priority. In closing today, there were so many lessons we were learning in just one year in Munich. Our horizons were being expanded and giving us clearer vision for the future. All those changes of people coming and going kept us on our toes. There was no time to sit back and get comfortable. Like Jim's sermon, reminding us that we had an uncomfortable gospel to relay. 
This job required a lot of work and dedication, but most of all, trusting that God had a perfect plan. Part of that plan was to cause us to grow personally and become mature Christians. Since I have referenced songs that we sang in those days, I have added links in the description box of two songs that I found on YouTube. Under Maranatha Music is the song To Dwell in Unity. And from last week's episode, I found the English version of I Will Sing Unto the Lord As Long As I Live. Bye for now, friends. P.S. I hope to have a new video conversation ready to post next week. So bye for now. Have a great week.